Elizabeth, Lynn, and I have had a, a fabulous time here this weekend with your elders and deacons and staff. want to express especially our gratitude to Nick and to Pam for their very intentional hospitality. It's been good to be with you. After 33 years as a parish pastor, I, for the last six years, have uh, led a ministry that has over 1,500 pastors in churches in 23 denominations in 38 states. I have been in 20-person house churches and 6,000-member megachurches. So I'm a, I, think, I like to think of myself as a pretty savvy observer of church, and we leave here this weekend grateful for your witness, for your vitality, for your faithfulness. I don't need to tell you it is not an easy time to try to be church in this culture, and I deeply appreciate any church such as yours willing to go into that ambiguity and complexity with open hands and open hearts. So thank you. Our text this morning is from Matthew 15. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. He did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their Lord's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Your daughter, and her daughter was healed from that moment. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This text this morning leads me to want to say a word with you about desperation. I don't know if anyone here has ever been truly desperate. I suspect that nearly all of us know something about desperation. Desperation, when something so fixes your attention, your energy, your concern, that nothing else matters. It doesn't matter the danger, it doesn't matter the cost, the circumstance, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. This one thing is the sole concern of my life. It is urgent, it is immediate, it is everything. That is to be desperate. I've met a desperate person. I was on a hospital call. I was there visiting someone else, but as I went down the corridor, I saw this woman with her head against a door. Both fists were up beside her face, and she was banging on the door, let me in, let me in, let me in. I couldn't imagine that anyone would lock someone out of a room in a hospital. When I got closer, I saw that it was the chapel door that she was banging on. I tried it also and found it locked. Uh, a worker from the hospital came by not long after, and we asked, and he was helpful and brought the key. But I said, why is this locked? He goes, well, a bunch of people trashed the chapel a few months ago, so now we have to. But we unlocked it, and we went in. I would say the woman was about 40 years old. 
I could tell that she had not come to the hospital with any planning. She came urgently. She came running. She was wearing clothes sort of thrown together in a hurry. Her hair was not combed. She had the look of desperation. I can't tell in that moment whether she was screaming or or crying or moaning, but she had the sound of desperation. Finally, some words. He's going to die. I know he's going to die. He's going to die. Who? My husband. Why? He had a heart attack. I asked if I could get her some water, and she said, no, thank you. I told her I was a pastor and asked if she would like me to have a prayer for her and her husband, and she said, please. And so I started to pray, and she interrupted me. Actually, she did not interrupt me. She took over the prayer. She started praying herself and stopped my prayer. I guess my prayer was, I don't know, too quiet, too formal, too slow, or I was saying the wrong thing. At any rate, my prayer wasn't getting it done for her, and she knew it. So she started saying, God, this is not the time. You know that better than I do. He is not ready. He needs more time. And what about me? What about these kids I would have to raise? How will I imagine? You cannot do this. What do you need me to do, God? Just really giving it to God. I, I stayed as long as I felt useful and I returned the next morning and saw her standing out, uh, outside ICU. She was composed. She looked fine. Before I could ask, she said, he's better. And then she smiled and said, I'm, I'm sorry for that crazy woman you met yesterday. I said, you weren't crazy. And then she said, well, um, I guess God heard one of us. I said, oh, God heard you. It was you that God heard. She was desperate. She had God grabbing God's garment with both hands and was screaming in God's face to get whatever it would take to live through that one day. That's desperation. Desperation runs down the street, knocking on every door. Desperation stops strangers and says, help me. Desperation will not take no for an answer. Desperation casts off anything that will not help in the rescue. Desperation doesn't care how I look, what anybody thinks, what this costs. I don't care. One thing is important. That's desperation. I don't know if any of you have ever been that desperate. I suspect most of us know something about this. Now, I don't know you well, but I am, since you're here on a a Sunday in August in worship, I think most of us here live in a house of faith. We believe in God, we worship, we pray, we give, we serve. But, But the house of faith in which I live, compared to others, is such a comfortable house. I am rarely put to the screaming test. I'm not often seen grabbing God's garment and yelling in God's faith. Some of us, some of us, our house of faith has a patio and a deck and a gas grill and a pool. God is good. And that's wonderful when faith and our life work like that. But I 
think you understand that sometimes we do not live in a house of faith like that. In those times, our house of faith is a shack thrown together at midnight. That's all we have. Desperate faith. Can we recognize that increasingly those who turn toward faith, including many of us, often come to God just like this, hanging by a thread, skeptical, often through painful lived experience of every faith claim, yet knowing deep down we need something more. Amy Tan, in one of her novels, told about a woman who became desperate. She and her family were at the beach. Her four-year-old boy was being cared for by an older sister. He was in good hands. But as four-year-olds can do, the only moment she wasn't looking, he slipped away and ran down to the edge of the water, and then in a little bit, and a little bit deeper, and a little bit deeper, until he was sucked in by the undertow. The mother went screaming up and down the beach, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then suddenly she left. She went home. A moment or two later, she came back, clutching in her left hand to her heart her big white leatherette Bible, and in her right hand, something that no one could see. It was a ring. It was a precious ring. It was a jade ring. And she walked out to the edge of the water, grasping that Bible, and she threw the ring into the sea. Why did you throw the ring into the sea? I thought maybe it would make the sea happy, and the sea would give back my boy. She is desperate. I say all this to us because I want us to try to understand this text, this strange text from Matthew's Gospel. Jesus and his followers were going north in Israel and they'd come to the place where Lebanon today joins Israel. There was a Canaanite woman, we would say today a Palestinian woman, This woman saw Jesus going through the streets and began to yell, Jesus, son of David, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus did not even break his stride. Jesus, son of David, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus didn't even turn around to look. Jesus, son of David, Lord, have mercy on me. I have a little girl who's tormented by a demon. Jesus didn't stop. The disciples said, Lord, tell her to get away. She's embarrassing and interrupting us and bothering everybody. But she blocked his path by kneeling and said, Lord, have mercy. But Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's a Gentile woman. He said, you don't take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she said... Even the dogs get to eat what falls off the table. And Jesus said, wow, what faith. Go home. Your little girl is healed. 
She was desperate. She didn't care that Jesus was going somewhere else. She didn't care that he was busy. She didn't care that she was a woman and he was a man. She didn't care that she was a Palestinian and he was a Jew. She didn't care that all those men told her to shut up. She didn't care what anybody heard. She didn't care what anybody thought. Only one thing was important. She needed Jesus. She could not be embarrassed. Her need was too great. I hope nobody here is ever desperate like that. I mean, arm-flinging, screaming, knocking on every door, desperate. I hope nobody here ever experiences that sort of desperation. But I hope you'll forgive me if I say that I hope all of us experience just a little bit of that kind of desperation that disrupts are composed, well-managed, nothing to see here, everything is fine, lives. Because you know what desperation does? Desperation trims our life of all the excess junk. Desperation helps us realize what is important and what's just stuff. Desperation punctures the illusion that we're actually in control of our own lives. Desperation moves us to know in our heart that only one thing is important. Who who cares about the house, the, the job, the car, the vacation, you know, the clothes, the resume, the degrees? I mean, really, who cares? Is it okay to wish that all of us somewhere, somehow, be desperate enough to suddenly realize that there's a lot in my life that is just distraction. Is it all right if I pray that everybody here gets desperate enough to realize that a lot of things that we think matter don't really matter as you just fling yourself into the loving arms of God? And that you take God and grab God, and say to God, I cannot live without you. I will not let you go until you bless me. I spend a lot of time doing this, traveling around, getting to be with faithful communities of faith as they seek their way forward. And though not scientific, I have a strong, strong sense that today, the foundation of a thriving church a community rooted in Jesus' ministry of service and justice, the root of a spiritually vital congregation filled with nurture and care does not rest on innovative programs, does not rest on well-thought-out plans, not even on visionary ministry and mission, not even a solid church budget with lots of resources, even though, as we've experienced this weekend, you are blessed with all of those. The root of a thriving church today is, well, being desperate. Desperate to know and follow God, come what may. 
desperate enough to recognize and respond to others who exhibit a similar need, so desperate that we know we have nowhere to turn except to God who gives us life and breath and hope. Prudent decisions won't save us, careful plans won't save us, a conservative lifestyle or a liberal worldview won't save us, being a good manager of everything will not save us. God, the author of our life, breathes life into us and redeems us in love, and that is everything. I hope for each one of us we are desperate enough to experience that deep down where it matters, so much so that we can do nothing, nothing, other than live lives of generosity and faith pushed to the brink where we have nothing left except to trust God completely. Increasingly, those who find their way to church, either here or online, are carrying this kind of desperation. Seekers are looking to see if communities of faith share their experience. They and we may not be able to fully name it or describe it, but we feel it deep down. And those whose desperation has drawn them to deeper faith get to be the ones to share with fellow desperate seekers the good news that Jesus hears our desperation. Jesus sees our desperation even when we try to cover it up. Jesus touches our desperation. And Jesus, for you, will stop, will, will turn, will listen, will love, guide, uphold you in every desperate season. I believe in this moment in every church's life, this is the only thing that matters for a community called by Jesus' name and shaped by God's call. It's all we need. It's also everything we need.